time of year where you start thinking, wow, 2015, what am I going to do with this year? Where are we headed this year? What's, uh, what's our thoughts? For some of you, it's a, it's a time for resolutions. Um, and some of you just gave up on that whole idea a long time ago. Like it's already January 4th and you've not kept your resolutions that you made a few days ago. Um, a resolution is a firm decision. It's not just a decision. It's a firm decision to do or not do something to do or not do something. And maybe you've had some that you've, uh, that you've made and, and decided on. But I, I'd like to, this morning, just talk about uh, two things, resolution and regret. Because I think that that second word is the reason why we do the first one. The reason we make a firm decision to do something different is because of this other word uh, called regret. That, that regret's a feeling of sadness, repentance, or disappointment uh, over something that has happened or been done, uh, especially if it's a loss or missed opportunity. Anybody have any regrets you think about? You know, maybe in 2014 you got some regrets. Maybe they're little ones. Maybe they're big ones. Maybe they're ones that kind of have been uh, kind of following you along throughout the year. Um, today I'm not really talking about regret as it, as it applies to, um, to sin in our lives. Because a lot of times we look back and think, oh man, I regret some of those things. But more so some of the missed opportunities. Um, more so some of the things that, that have been uh, lost um, in, the, in, the, in, the last, in the last while or in our lives that you look back and think, ah, you know, I, I have regrets. Um, you know, I have regrets this year already. My first regret happened on the first day. Uh, I had my family over for, um, or a couple of my family members over on uh, New Year's Eve because I thought, you know what, we'll have, some, uh, we'll have a, another couple over with young kids. So we both go to bed on time and then we had a party the next day at our house and thought, you know, it'd be perfect. We don't have to go out anywhere. We'll be well rested for the party. And then uh, my brother-in-law came over and, and he ha- doesn't have an Xbox in his house. So we started playing Xbox and, uh, um, and, and we're, we're playing hockey and he won. I couldn't believe it. But uh, he, he won, and so then he was like, it, he got the taste of victory and just had to find it again. Uh, so we played till 2, 2.30 in the morning for him trying to find that again. And, and then I went to bed, and I'm like, I'm envisioning like all of the goals I just scored. And I'm like, man, am I, I just cannot fall asleep. And I was like, oh, you know, this is going to be a long day tomorrow. I'm like, at least I get to sleep into like 8 or 9. And, and uh, at 6 a.m., Maddox was at our bed, just pumped because his cousins were over. And the day started, I'm like, oh, I only got like three hours of sleep. And I said to Beth, my first regret is that we didn't go to bed on time. She's like, quiet, I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, uh, and so I got up. And I was like, oh, you know, tonight I'm going to go to bed on time. And that was like 1.30. And then like the next night, I'm going to go to bed on time. And midnight. Uh, there's just this thing. So Beth finally, she's like, we're going to be in bed by 11. Uh, and so for, for the first time, I kept my resolution this year was you know, three days in. But uh, yeah, regrets can be small. They can be a, something as simple as, I wish I'd gotten more sleep, but they can be bigger as well. Um, a, a, anybody um, seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah, um, Groundhog Day, yeah, you just dated yourself. But uh, uh, Groundhog Day, uh, we, we watched that, uh, that, uh, that uh, movie because in kind of prep for our Christmas thing uh, that we did, just that, that idea of living the same day over and over. Uh, Bill Murray got to live Groundhog Day over and over and over again, and every day made different choices. So, you know, there's this girl that he liked, and, and so on day one, she didn't want anything to do with him. But he found out something about her. He found out what she liked and what kind of stuff she was into. So then the next day, he got to live the same day. All of a sudden, he's like an expert on that stuff. And she's like, oh, this guy's got like things going for him. And uh, he was able to make different decisions uh, to, to change the outcome of his day. And we think, man, if we could just go back to the day of our re- most regret, uh, regrettable decisions, we would take the other route. You know, maybe we could take the other, take the other path. 
Uh, as a kid, I read Choose Your Own Adventure books. And it was like you read through and you're like on page 35. It's like, if you want to do this, go to 45. And if you want to do this, go to 49. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to 49. That looks cool. And then you open it up. It's like, you died. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just go back to page 35 and do it again. You know, I play Minecraft with some of the kids from our youth group. And they have that same thought. You know, it's, uh, the, you know can I build a, how many blocks high can I go and jump from before I die? You know, 21, fine. 22, dead. Oh, well, I'll just respawn and do this one over again. And it works in books, and it works in Minecraft, but it doesn't work in real life. You don't have that chance to go back to that day and say, yeah, I wish I had taken the other path. The problem is that we didn't, not that we didn't make a decision, it's that we made the wrong decision. That in our lives, we make choices that we look back at later and go, oh, I wish I hadn't made that choice. You know, the, the, the thought of regret, even though it's kind of a negative thing, can be turned around to become an incredibly positive motivator for the decisions that you're making now. I've had people recently ask me different, different questions and thoughts. Hey, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do this? I said, well, just put yourself one year in the future. If in 2016 you're looking back at this day, what are you going to regret? Are you going to regret that you, you, know, you, you, um, that you work too much? Or are you going to regret that you didn't work enough? Are you going to regret that you, you know, took that job and, and kind of ran, ran the risk of trying something different? Are you going to regret that, you know, that you're um, still in the same place that you, that you were a year ago? Are you going to regret that you didn't talk to that person and try and work out your differences? Or are you going to regret that you said way too much to that person in anger and now you can't take those words back? What are you going to regret? We can't go back and make a different decision on that day. But what we can do, we can look forward and see, you know, what some of our potential regrets could be and make decisions now as a result. There's a, a, a gal named Bronnie Ware. She worked in a palliative care home. Uh, and at, in 2013, uh, a, a study that she had done kind of just on her own uh, was published. And it was this, this thought of people on their deathbed, what are their greatest regrets? So she began to poll people on their, uh, as they were at the end of their lives saying, what did you regret the most in your life? And she said it was crazy because there was a few that were random, but most of them fell under this top 10 list of, of, uh, of categories where it was like the same ones over and over and over again. The list uh, goes something like this. And the, the number one uh, regret most often stated was I never pursued my dreams and aspirations. The regret was I never pursued what I was dreaming about. I never pursued those aspirations. Number two was I worked too much. I never made time for my family. The third was I should have made more time for my friends. Uh, four is I should have said I love you a lot more. Five was I should have spoken my mind instead of holding back and resenting things. Six, I should have been the bigger person and resolved my problems. Number seven, I wish I'd had children. Number eight, I should have saved money for my retirement. Number nine, not having the courage to live truthfully. And number 10 was happiness is a choice and I wish I'd known that earlier. Happiness is a choice and I wish that I had known that earlier. So if you think about, well, you know, hundreds of people that she pulled have these, have these same similar things. We can look forward and go, you know what? Some of those regrets might be ours. What would I regret as I look down um, to, the, to the end of my life or 10 years from now or next year? What am I going to regret? Am I going to regret that I, that I didn't tell my kids uh, I love you more? I was listening to a series by Andy Stanley called, you know, You'll Be Glad You Did. And uh, there's that thought, you know, that we have. Sometimes we have the thoughts of, well, I wish I had. How do we change? I wish I had to someday saying, wow, I'm glad I did. Rather than saying, oh, I wish I had done this back then, you can, go, you can end up down, you know, in 2016 going, wow, man, I'm glad I did. What does that look like for you? How can we make better decisions this year? 
the, the whole trick in making better decisions or trick is to make decisions based on wisdom because we're so prone to do it the other way around, which is via our emotions. We make emotional decisions. And, you know, all, if you think about it, if you think back to the, 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 the decisions that, that you regret the most right now, pretty, pretty uh, much you can tie that to some sort of emotion that you had going on at that time. Anger, fear, stress, desire, heat of the moment, whatever it was. In one of those emotions, you bought something you couldn't afford. You said something you wish you could take back. You hit someone and there's like, now you know you're, you're paying the consequences for it. We all have regrettable um, decisions that we can look back to. Uh, you know when those things come out? Family get-togethers. You know, you get around with your family and all of a sudden they start bringing it up. And it's like this, I, I got to, to hang out with both sides of my family. And sure enough, the stories, the things I regret come back to the surface. Remember that time you tomahawked your brother-in-law over the neck with your hockey stick at church hockey? And I'm like, yeah, of course I remember that. It's been said a thousand times, right? And, and many of you have heard that, that story, you know, and it comes back up. That's years and years ago uh, where I lost my mind for a minute. And yes, I, I did hit my brother-in-law over the neck with a hockey stick. Uh, and, and everybody's like looking at it like, you're crazy. And I'm like, yes, I regret that, and I've, I've apologized, but it never, never leaves. Um, but, you know, the, the good thing is, I'm not the only one who did dumb things. My brother-in-law, Jamie, we were talking about this, where he thought it'd be fun to go four-wheeling in, in weather like this and buried a four-wheel drive truck in my, um, my father-in-law's field. And so because he knew he wasn't supposed to be in the field anyways, he decided to go home and get a tractor from the farm and drive it out there. Well, he buried that tractor as well. So he got the four-wheel drive tractor and brought it out there to uh, pull it out and buried that up to the gills as well. And and then he got the, the freshly painted Pride and Joy tractor of the farm to drive out there and pull the, all of the other ones out and buried that one as well. And so they, they had to call Larry Moyer and his backhoe to come dig a pit to be able to drag all of these vehicles out of the, the field, leaving ruts everywhere. And I was like, hey, remember that? And he's like, you know, never mind, right? Uh, at our other family get-together, we were chatting, and like, you know, we had, back in the day, we had only one grandchild, and this grandchild, I'm not my grandchild, my nephew, and he'd scream all the time because he was the only one. All the adults would play games, and there was a little one just kind of screaming off the side, and we could never find any way to make him stop. And then my my one brother-in-law decided, well, let's just try farting in his face and see if that works. And uh, it was ineffective. But it comes up at every family get-together. Hear a kid screaming, hey, you want to go fart in his face? Right? Like, it's like, why don't you just let that go? I regret. We have, we have these things that just keep finding their ways to surface in our lives. Maybe for you, your regrets are going to come in the mail. When you get your visa bill and you're like, ugh, I bought that and they didn't even like it. And it was this emotional emotional purchase. We do it. It's our, it's our, we're prone to do that. And the Bible just says, you know, make wisdom decisions. Choose wisdom. Get wisdom, the Bible talks about in Proverbs, and, and make decisions with wisdom. Um, you know, some of you are like, well, can't I just pray for wisdom? You know, the Bible says we can pray for wisdom, and you're right, it does. In, in uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, it does say, um, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Ask him, and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, uh, for a person with divided loyalty is unstable in everything that they do. He says, you know, can't we just pray for wisdom? And, and uh, part of the, the, what the Bible teaches about wisdom is this. You know, trust God, look to him for wisdom. There's a huge chunk of, of, of the Bible that talks about this idea of wisdom that has nothing to do with praying for it. It's, it's, it's this, um, 
this idea that it's more than, uh, it takes more than that, than just like, oh, I have a decision to make. Uh, I'll just pray for wisdom. Uh, I told a story before. There's three men who wanted to cross a river, and they had no idea how to cross it. So one man knelt down on his uh, knees by the river, and he prayed, Lord, give me power and give me strength to cross this river. And all of a sudden, he became strong enough, and he swam across the river. Suddenly, um, the next man realized, well, that worked for him. I'll try it. So he knelt down, and he prayed, Lord, give me skills and strength to um, cross this river as well. I want the skills. And, and all of a sudden, he, he was able to build a canoe, and he canoed across the river. Then there was um, the third guy who just said, yeah, well, it worked for them. I'm going to try it. So he decided to pray. And he says, Lord, give me wisdom and give me knowledge on how to cross this river. And all of a sudden, poof, he turned into a woman, and he walked across the bridge. <laughs> and I know men hate me for that story. It goes both ways. Um, but there's this there's this, this thing of, can't we just pray for it? Can't we just, can't we just pray and hopefully it's going to be there? But the thing about wisdom is wisdom is actually just the right use of knowledge. It's using what you know the right way uh, in the right time. See, as Christians, we have this thing. We think prayer is like a magic wand. We think prayer and faith can just do anything for us. And it's not true. The Bible talks about two different things. Because some, they'll say, you know what? I prayed that God would give me the answers on that test that I didn't study for. Oh, dear God, please. You know I didn't study, but I can't, I can't fail. My parents, you know, they're going to they're be upset. And you pray and you pray. And you're like, oh, I have faith. And you pass. And you think that it was your faith. I prayed that my marriage would get better. I prayed that my kids would become perfect kids. I just prayed and have faith that I'm going to get a better job, that I'm going to get a promotion, that I'm going to get a raise. I can just pray because I got faith. Faith is part of our life as a Christian. But the Bible talks about these two different things. There's faith and there's wisdom. And the faith and wisdom bring different things into your life. Salvation comes by faith. You can't, you can't believe in your head. You know, it's, it's this complete trust in, in what um, God said. That's what faith is. And we learned that last week. For by, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Um, and you need faith for salvation. But faith is a complete trust in what God said. Uh, this week, um, this week, my kids got to play way too much Xbox, and uh, and they just kind of got like the, into this mode that it's either eating or playing Xbox, and I'm like, this is not is not healthy, right? So my son Lanky's five. He comes up to me the other night and he's like, hey, Dad, you know, after supper, can I play Xbox? I'm like, I'll think about it, and my, that's my way of delaying the no. You know, I didn't want the meltdown right away, and so we get upstairs. He's like eating supper like a fiend, right? He's just putting it down, and and then afterwards, he's like, Dad, now can I? Uh, I'm, it's just now now it's time for me to play Xbox? I'm like, no, son. He's like, Dad, you said that, that uh, I get to play Xbox after supper. And I'm like, son, I didn't say that. I said, I'm going to think about it. I thought about it. And the answer is no. Dad, you said. And the thing is, he really thinks that dad said. But the problem is what? Dad didn't said. And a lot of times with us as Christians, we have this thought that, oh God, I'm going to believe you for this. And we're believing and we say, I have faith for that. I have, but faith has to be something that God said. And sometimes we have faith for, for what God didn't say. He never said it, so you can't have faith for it because it was never anything that he said that you could have. And we live our lives with this idea of, oh, you know, my faith isn't strong enough or somehow I'm, I'm missing something. And we get all disappointed when he says you're just missing out on this other key component, which is called wisdom. There's a lot of Christian beliefs about life that have nothing to do with faith. Some think that they're more spiritual because they're being attacked all the time. They're like, man, I'm, you know, I must be doing the right things for God because the devil just is always on me. He's always after me. And you know what? You give the devil way too much credit because a lot of the things that, that we go through and the struggles we go through are because of emotional decisions that we made. 
It's these regrets that we're living through that were emotional decisions that have nothing to do with the devil. But as long as you're focused on him, you'll keep living through these things over and over and over again. The Bible talks about wisdom uh, to, to help to save us from some of these things. There's some that would say this, I'm just going to trust God with my finances. I'm just going to trust God because the Bible says in Matthew, you know, just trust God. He knows how to take care of you. The thing that we don't realize is that most of the Bible says that God is trusting you with his finances. He says he's given you the power to get wealth. He didn't say I've given you wealth. I'm not just going to give you money. I'm giving you the ability to get a job, go work, and make money. Trade your time for finances. And I'm trusting you to, to be a good steward of what I've given you. Like somebody like, oh God, oh, I can't pay my bills. Oh man, I just got to pray and I got to have faith. You know that he's going to come through. And wisdom just says, you know what, save up, prepare, plan. He says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He doesn't say, my God will meet all of your wants. So you spend the need money that he gave you on wants and all of a sudden you don't have money for your needs? That's not a faith problem. It's a wisdom problem. The Bible's full of teaching on this idea of finances. We're going to do a whole series on money. I'm not going to tell you when because I want you to show up. But it's going to be, uh, it's, going to, it's this idea that the Bible talks about money a lot. You know, some parents are like, I'm just, I just gave my kids to God. I did everything I can. I can't do anything with them anymore. I'm just giving my kids to God. And he says, you know what? I gave them to you, Josh. <laughs> I gave them to you to make wisdom and responsible decisions in raising your kids. Children are a gift from the Lord, it says in Psalm uh, 127. And there's all kinds of information versus wisdom about parenting. And some are just like, ah, I'm just going to see, you know. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. I just like, I just pray for them. You don't raise your kids by faith. You raise them by wisdom. You know, there's another, uh, Wes once uh, shared this story, and he said that a man came to a prayer meeting, and uh, he'd, he'd always pray, God, help me. He says, I, I've, I've been entangled in the web of sin again this week. And the next Sunday, or prayer meeting, came back. He's like, oh, God, please help me. I've become entangled in the web of sin again this week. And the third week, he comes back, oh, God, I'm entangled in this web of sin again this week. And this poor, sweet little lady starts praying after him. She's like, dear God, please kill that spider. Do something different. For some, you know, it's this idea of addictions. And you're like, you know, it's this, this thought of, oh God, I want you to just take it away from me. And he gives us these things of saying, do something. Um, you can do something about it. Do something different. Use wisdom in your decisions. In what you're, if you find yourself stuck in an area, do something different uh, than what you're doing um, now. Um, you know, some of them, here's one that just, uh, it's a, whatever, I'll just put out there. People praying and saying, you know what, I'm believing God for a miracle in my marriage. I'm believing God for a miracle in my marriage. There's no hope unless he does something. There's this thought and this, um, this prayer about, about that, but there's an interesting discovery that, that, uh, that I came across over the last couple months. Of all, there, there's been, it's a, it's a study that's been done in the States for the, the past number of years, just studying the rate of divorce. Because for some reason in, in North America, we have this difficult time with when we promise something that we mean it. That when we stand at an altar and make vows that we actually mean them. Do the, anybody, everybody know what the divorce rate in, a, in our country is? 50-50, right. One out of two is uh, not telling the truth up at the, uh, uh, on their wedding day. 50%. Do you know, you think, well, people who are followers of Jesus Christ, you know, understand this idea of love and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what the rate is in the church? 50%. One out of two, which know better. 
So there's a study just done of all different faith um, belief systems and groups um, uh, to find out which one has the lowest rate of divorce. Do you know who it is? The atheists. The ones who don't believe in God at all. I know. Why? Why do you think that is? You know why I think that is? I think it's because of this thought that there's too many people that think marriage is a faith issue when it's actually a wisdom issue. They're believing for God to do something when he's told them to do something. See, the atheists, they're not praying for a miracle in their marriage because they don't believe in God. They don't believe he's going to come and fix their marriage. What are they going to do? They're going to find principles to fix their marriage. Theirs is half of what the church is. This idea of thinking, oh God, I'm going to pray, and he's saying it's, you're missing something. You're trying to live your life by faith because it sounds spiritual, but spiritual is wisdom. He says, get wisdom, live with wisdom. Proverbs um, actually, before I go there, Beth and I, uh, this, uh, uh, because I deal with so many people who are struggling in marriage, uh, I, I, saw, I saw this ad that came across. It was talking about, you know, are you on the brink of divorce? Click here. And I was like, well, I'm not, but I know people who are, so click. And, and all of a sudden, I'm signed up for this thing, and I'm getting these emails, and, and Mark, you know, you can, you can rescue your marriage by doing this, this, and this. And I go through, I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then there was these questionnaires, and I thought, I'm going to take one. So I started going down the questionnaire, and it was 50 questions about your spouse. And I started going down, I'm like, what's your favorite color? I'm like, ding. And I start writing down all the answers, where favorite restaurants. And as I go all the way through, and I thought, I'm going to see. So I, I got Beth to score it for me. And the score came all the way down at the end. It says, you are married to a complete stranger. Yeah, yeah, it's, I know. She only got one point better than me when she took it, right? Uh, so what we're looking at is this idea of there's this disconnect. So we started talking about what's your favorite color? And she's like, your favorite color is purple. And I thought about, you know, you know what? I think my favorite color was purple um, way back in the day. But I don't think I want purple stuff now. It's, it's okay, but there's other colors. And we started realizing that, you know, we're changing. And it was this idea of not so much how well do I know my spouse, how well do I know them today? To keep studying that person you're doing life with because they're changing. And if you don't realize that, you drift apart and you don't even know it. The Bible just talks about this idea of wisdom. Proverbs 24, verse 3 to 4 says this. A house or a life, it's not really talking about a house, but it's talking about, this, this, uh, uh, about life is built by wisdom, not by faith, not by prayer. Your life, and, and it's built by wisdom. It becomes strong through good sense talks about through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. The wise are mightier than the strong. You want something? Get wisdom. Don't necessarily go for strength. Those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. Don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. It talks about these different, different things of, in life, but it ties it all to wisdom. So how do we use wisdom? Three things. Write them down. If you're thinking about it, you can check it out later. It's, it's this. It's knowledge, understanding, wisdom starts with this idea of getting knowledge. Why? Because wisdom is the right use of knowledge. If you don't have knowledge about, um, about the situations you're in, you're not going to, the, the, the chance for you to make a wise decision is significantly reduced. For instance, I'm going to say, you know what? I need a new car. I'm going to go to Haldeman Motors. I'm just going to pick one. You know, I'll go walk in there and do no research and be like, you know what? I'll take the white one. It's a two-seater and, you know, who knows if it has an engine, but I, I get it off the parking lot and I drive home and realize, wait, I got four kids. This didn't work. We'd, we'd never do that. We would, we would research and, and do things um, that, that way. Why, why do we not do that for the things that are so important in our lives? Like marriage, parenting, our finances, different things. He says, get knowledge. Knowledge is just knowledge. Because what you need is that moment for you where it's like, ah, this knowledge, it's good for, for everyone, but what's good for me? It's this idea called understanding. 
Um, the Bible talks about kind of the idea of meditating on it, thinking about it, mulling it over. They compare it to a cow chewing cud for all the dairy farmers. You know, the cow eats grass, swallows it, then burps it up again and chews it for a while and then swallows it and then burps it up again. And it's like, you know, heartburn, but whatever. Chews on, chews and chews and chews on it. It's that same thought. That today, if there's a thought that drops in your heart, that you take it home and like, yeah, I got to mull on that a little bit more. I got to think about that one through a little bit more. God, what's wisdom for me? What's the right thing? Because there's knowledge. But it's all of a sudden when, when what you know becomes, um, not just I know about it, I know that this is right for me. It's like, I get it. And, and, and then it's, it's this idea of wisdom. Knowledge and understanding, they're internal. Wisdom, it's external. It's this choice that you make on the outside. It's an action using wisdom and knowledge. But you ignore, you know, you ignore wisdom and knowledge. I mean, sorry, knowledge and, and understanding. The chance of you making a decision that's wise are low, and the chance of you making a regrettable decision are high. So how do we live with fewer regrets in, in the future? How do we live um, next year looking back and say, man, I'm so glad I did. It's this idea of embracing wisdom. Many people look for wisdom when it's too late. They look for it when they're already in trouble. And the Bible talks about that in Proverbs chapter 1 as you read through. I'll, because of time, I'll just I'll, I'll get, I'll give you some homework. Read, read Proverbs 1 today. As you go through and it, reading it, it talks about wisdom like, I called out to you. I was reaching out to you when you were making that decision. I was right there, but you ignored me. And because of that, he says, when you look for me, I'm just going to laugh at you. It's like when you need wisdom so bad and you're in that situation, it just kind of mocks you. Like, ugh, those regrettable decisions you think about and like, ah, yeah, I wish I could have made the other thing. The Bible just talks about that wisdom says, I'll, I'll give you a course correction. As you're driving down a certain path, I'll give you a little correction that as you take that correction, it changes the, the end goal of where you were headed. We know that it's, um, it's kind of common sense um, that a path that you're on is leading you somewhere. You got on Highway 3 this morning because you knew it was going to take you to here. We believe that's common sense, but common sense isn't always so common. I read the story of two guys who were sitting in, a, in an establishment, you know, uh, uh, and they're watching the 11 o'clock news. As they're watching the news, they see a guy on a building. He's about to jump. And the one guy says to the other, he says, I'll bet you 10 bucks he jumps. And the guy's like, you're on. And so they watch, and sure enough, he jumps. And so the guy says to his friend, okay, here's the 10 bucks. He's like, no, nah, buddy, I can't take the 10 bucks. He says, I saw this on the 6 o'clock news, you know. I, I knew that he was going to jump. And the other guy's like, no, I have the 10 bucks. He says, I saw it on the 6 o'clock news too. I just think, didn't think he's going to do it twice. Um, <laughs> common sense. Common sense. We believe about it for regular things, but we just don't, we don't think about it for the most important things. So I know that we've gone a little bit longer than normal, but if I can just get you to listen to this next part above everything to just not get lost here because I believe it's the most important part of today. If there's this intriguing thought of, yeah, I want to choose wisdom, then what does it mean for us? Um, I visited Gateway Church a couple weeks ago. Steve Kerr shared a message on some of the things that God's given us responsibility for. He's put into our lives, family, uh, kids, the finances, things that, that he's given us responsibility for. And in, in that, for us to make the, the decisions uh, for wisdom, that's our opportunity to do that today. So what about your family? You can't have a healthy family. You cannot have a healthy family or a healthy marriage without investing time and energy into it. If you're not investing time and energy into it, it is not going to be healthy. It, it cannot be. And we know that we think, ah, oh, it's common sense, but how often do we hear dads later on in life, we've heard them in this church, stand up and say, when my kids were young, I worked too much. 
to say, dads, maybe you're working. Maybe you think my job is I bring the money home. My wife raises the kids. That's kind of how our agreement goes. Your kids need you in their lives in a big, big way. They need you to have eyes in on who they're hanging out with, who they're dating, what they're watching. They need you uh, to, to have that with your kids, to train them up, to teach them, to make memories with them. It takes time and effort, but it's worth it to talk to your teenagers about real things, their real lives, and don't just settle for their, for their pat answers of, you know, nothing, nowhere, no one, no. But to dig deep and say, as a parent, I want to I wanna know, have eyes in on who they're dating. Get to know those, get to know those people. It's almost like you need to be dating their, their, uh, the people that they're dating. Let them find out who these um, people, um, people are. You know, some with, the, with social media today, have eyes in on what your kids are doing with their cell phones. What they're, what, what they're watching, who they're talking to. If some parents just say, oh, I just trust my child's going to make good decisions. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is saying, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to build trust with them. I'm going to help them make those decisions because it's so easy for them to make wrong ones. Don't let them just sleep over anywhere because it's convenient for you. As parents, it's so difficult sometimes to find, you know, babysitters or childcare or whatever. As your pastor, I have too many times had to go through situations where one night at a sleepover has ruined lives. Why? Just because it was just not, it was wisdom. It's, I just wanted to do something. Oh, they're from the church. Unless you know that you know that you know them. You know, there's a new curriculum about sexuality that's really being pressed to go into our schools. As parents, I'm not telling you to take your kids out of school because they're going to learn all kinds of stuff in school. As a parent, uh, uh, you know, it's just saying be that parent. You are their number one teacher. That you continue to talk to them and say, you know what? I want our kids to have a biblical worldview of sexuality and the world and relationships. And to talk to them and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose wisdom in this. I'm not just going to let the teachers just be the ones to teach. They, ah, hands off but I want to be engaged for marriage, to keep growing in your knowledge of each other, keep studying one another. That's the wisdom decision to make today. There's a couple in our church that's been to over 20 marriage seminars. They said we just believe in marriage maintenance. We know that there's, our marriage needs maintenance, whether it's in trouble or not. To say today I want, because I want to be able to look back and say, oh man, I'm so glad I did to have some of these things that understanding that with finances for you teens and those looking for work, poor work habits will lead to you having no job. It doesn't matter how much education you get. Oh man, to see these kids who just, who go through university to get all this education but have never develop work ethic, can't find a job and have a lot of money to pay to OSAP. Why? Because wisdom says I'm going to learn how to work hard. The world doesn't owe you anything. Don't wait too late to find that out. And just because you pray for a job and God gives you a job doesn't mean you're going to keep it. Faith might get it, but wisdom keeps it. You can't spend, keep spending more than you make. If you're finding yourself in that place, it's this idea of do something different because you're just bringing stress into your life. One more thing isn't going to make you happy. And wisdom says it. What am I going to do when I look back at next, from next year and say, ah, man, I'm so glad I did. Poor health choices will lead to health problems. And we take our health for granted. It's until you lose it that you realize, oh, man, I wish I had. I wish I had. And the last one, which is by far the most important one, and it's for every single person in this place, is take ownership this year of your spiritual growth. 
for too many, it's this idea of, you know what, I'll let whatever Mark says on Sunday be what I learned from the Word this week. You know, that's just going to be it. You know, I'm going to let other people kind of teach my kids in Sunday school. I just kind of trust them to do all of that because they're spiritual. It's what we pay him for, for goodness sakes. You know, this is what he should be doing. You know, the worship team, If I'll, I'll wait for them to play the song that I want to hear. Um, to say, you know what, wisdom says I'm going to take responsibility for my own spiritual growth, for my own connection to God. I want to dig in for myself. I'm going to join a Bible study. I'm going to start a reading um, program with, um, one, with a friend. I'm going to get on right now, media. I'm going to do something for my own faith because the truth is the path that you're on today is leading somewhere to, um, tomorrow. We know that uh, the, 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 in the actual and the natural, but to realize it is so much more important in, in the parts that matter. So today, the path you're on today, where is it leading you? Where is it leading you? Will a year, 10 years from now, at the end of your life, look at it and go, wow, it led me to the town of regret. Or you say, no, you know what, I got off that path and I'm, I switched to a different one. Then now I'm on the city of, well, I'm glad I did. I'm so glad I did. I'll leave you with this thought. It's got by a guy named Horace, no last name, so I don't know who it is. But he says, dare to be wise. Dare to be wise. Begin now. He who postpones the hour of living rightly is like the rustic who wants the river to run out before he crosses it. Before he crosses it. Decide today to pursue knowledge, pursue um, wisdom and understanding. As you look back at your life next year and in 10 years and at the end of your life, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. T- today my hope is that, that in all of what we talked about, that as Holy Spirit drops something specific for you, that you would take that and say, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to do something different with this. Father, I thank you. Thank you for giving us the answers, giving us hope, and giving us life. Pray over every person in this place that as they walk out of these doors, they have you with them. The Holy Spirit, you would speak to them and, and continue to challenge them and encourage them to find your word and find the truth that's there and to be able to live their lives based on it. Thank you for your incredible love and your forgiveness for when we don't make it. And uh, thank you for the chance to live lives differently because of you. Just pray your blessing over every one of them. Peace and your joy and your life and their families. Uh, and may they shine. May they shine bright for you this week. The others would see and know how amazing you are. Love you. It's in your name of Christ. Amen.